Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Runners World Podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson. Today, we're speaking about why you don't have to smash every workout to improve. Got to smash good, it, mate. Get news, it absolutely, got to absolutely smash this run. <laughs> no, no, yeah. you're not. Don't need to. Calm down. Um, but yeah, in terms of hey, talking to people smashing it, Rick. Yeah. Segue. Um, there's a new park run world record. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, uh, Andy Burchart has has gone and beaten Andy badly. So the Andys have had an absolute face off. Yeah. That's back, the quickest back, Andy. Know, yeah. The quickest Andy. It's not really a park run record. It's just the quickest Andy. <laughs> And uh, he he's done it. So that's that was that was fairly long standing from Mister Badley. That was oh yeah, what, Olympic it was, year, wasn't it? Was, it? Yeah, what? Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah, over ten years. So was it so, thirteen minutes forty five seconds? Is a new oh, park run. It's so quick, isn't it? God, that's fast. <laughs> Whoa, makes me feel a bit sick. Um, so congrats to him. And then on the opposite end of the news and running in things that have oh, happened yeah, in running the, over yeah, the, the weekend. Longer stuff. Yeah, we've got the um, longer stuff. Western well, states. Western States. Huge congratulations to um, British runner Tom Evans, who's won yes. the Western States, first British man to win Western States. So that's a big, a big, big thing. He came uh, third in the UTMB this year, uh, and just I think I'm going to say he's our he's our best off road male British runner. I think I think you have to say that now. Um, you have to. I'm just I'm throwing loads of things out there now, Jeez. but he really is he really is phenomenal. Um, and then yeah, also Courtney Dalwater won the the women's uh, race yep. in, a, in a record Amazing. time, which knocked about forty five minutes off or something, which is incredible. So um, that is incredible. And uh, it's still the uh, race I'd like to do, mate. If someone, is if it? Someone said, someone said like golden ticket, I'd still say like right, go on then. I'd love I'd love to do the Western States because I just think it's like location of it, West Coast America, amazing history. Obviously started as a as a horse race, uh, and yeah, I think I, I think that would be that would be the one for me, mate. Every day's a school day with you, Rick. <laughs> Did not know that about you, that Western States is up there on the old bucket list. Yeah. It no, doesn't it surprise me now because it's a very, very long way and has involved a horse at some point, <laughs> which going by how much you enjoy man versus horse, that's not yeah, a surprise. That's true. Yeah, yeah, no. It's pop my brand. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, well, that's a pretty, pretty amazing weekend for running all round. Did you do any running at the weekend? Yeah, I did. I I, um, I could only get out, um, just worked out with family commitments. I could only get out like midday and it was obviously really, oh, that was nice. it was really warm. Uh, but yeah, it's fine actually. I mean, a little bit like what we're going to talk about later. It makes you, it made me slow down a lot. So it was, it was very easy running. It was just about being, being out there and, and moving forward. Uh, so that was, that was good. I've been doing a little bit more speed stuff, just sprinkling it, it, it in. Um, <gasps> oh, I haven't asked. How's the ten mile? How's the ten mile prep well, this going? Is what, this is some kind of you know I'm, I'm kind of getting like almost like pre, you know like almost like a, a pre plan you know like sort of like oh. trying to trying to get to the plan a bit, a bit fit anyway. Yeah. But um, but I'm I'm still miles away from being able to run that time, mate. But 
yeah it's nice to it's, it's nice to start to feel like you're getting a little bit better uh you know in the meantime well in terms of using sensible training logic mm. i think it's now time to talk to our guest of the week who has some sage advice for you and anyone else who feels like they're perhaps going too hard in their training all right guest of the week Sometimes on the phone Could be an athlete Could be a physio Or a complete unknown Our guest this week is the National Endurance Manager for England Athletics, uh, Tom Craggs. Welcome to Running, uh, Runners World Podcast. Here to talk a little bit about getting the intensity right in training. So thanks for coming on. No worries. Thanks for having me back. Where do you think this um, mentality of like smashing it in training comes from? Is it where, where where do we where can we sort of lay some of the the blame? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And I think um, we've talked before about <clears throat> sometimes the role of a coach. You, you know, you have to be careful to not fall into sort of being an armchair psychologist, but you kind of almost have to be an armchair psychologist anyway. Cause you start to get to know what drives and motivates different runners and why they make the decisions that they make. Um, and I think there's probably you know there's a combination of things probably some of it might be um you know a, a wider culture that we live in particularly for people who perhaps get into sport and distance running <laughs> as adults who so maybe they they haven't trained competitively as a, as a runner when they were a junior so they came into the sport uh, as an adult a lot of us come into the distance running from a health and fitness sort of background and approach and i think there is probably a different culture a little bit to how we approach our training. I'm not necessarily saying that every PT will have you smashing every workout. I'm sure they wouldn't recommend that necessarily. But there is that bit of a culture, if you think of like exercise classes, gym classes, and actually maybe just more generally in society, we do seem to have an approach of, we're not the most patient society. So we do, I think we fall into an assumption that the harder we push, the more stimulus we'll get, you know, the fitter we'll get, we'll get fitter faster. And, you know, there is a, a bit of a, maybe a little bit of a culture of um not no pain no gain but you know that sort of thing of like okay well this must be better for me if i'm pushing harder um so i think that's that's one element to it but, and maybe for those who are a little bit more, i've had seen a bit more experience maybe this is true for all of us but certainly for runners that are measuring their fitness and their progression and you know perhaps they've got a race that they're building up towards i think some of it comes from a um a misunderstanding perhaps at times about what training sessions are there to do so i think it takes a lot of self-discipline i would say to view your training as a, a collection of of individual moments that come together to help you get better fitter and a bit more prepared for your race that you're building up towards but then what they're not there to do or they're not very good at doing is is sort of being a benchmark or a measurement of your fitness at that time. And I think we we tend to probably over rely on our on our interval sessions, structured sessions, or maybe even Stephen, I like our easy running. Sometimes we over rely on it to give us confidence like oh, I, need, I need some evidence i need some evidence that things are going right why isn't it quicker than last week or three or four weeks ago or fitness doesn't really work like that there's so many variables that come into play to affect the pace that you end up running in a session but i you know at times i think runners struggle with confidence um and they look 
to get that from their their sessions and so to prove yourself you kind of end up running the danger of all of that is you end up running those sessions harder than you should do because you want the the numbers the outcome of it um the you know the the the, the figures at the end of it rather than the the, the kind of process of, of getting fitter that it's there to do if that makes sense yeah it does it reminds me of my favorite uh coaster saying if you're <laughs> going to put a, a fridge magnet and that training is to uh, improve fitness not prove fitness and that's that that is completely and i don't that's completely the case with me i mean obviously sometimes you do have training sessions that are there you know occasionally you might have a bit of a test type session or a benchmarking type session from time to time but primarily that's not what they're there to do <clears throat> but i would say more often than not um athletes struggle with it so if they have a session where maybe they're, they're not running the paces they think they should or you know perhaps they've got two-thirds away for a session and they kind of feel like that's enough and they stop they'll struggle with confidence after a really not run um and i think that's really dangerous because every session ends up becoming this really high stress moment of like i have to meet my expectations and if i don't something's gone horribly wrong and all of that then leads to poorer decision making of course if you're training in a group as well like there is a competitive element to it as well which probably impacts so if you are training in a club or a group sometimes that can help because it can make those efforts you might do on your own feel a bit easier but instead of making them feel easier we often use that oh it feels a bit easier we don't make it feel easier we just push a bit harder if you know what i mean so everything ends up kind of being this kind of chasing chasing your fitness the whole time um as opposed to just being comfortable with moderately hard or moderately kind of good sessions um because it's probably more boring isn't it it's more boring to think like that as well and 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 you know you should always be careful with like language as a coach as well because if you stand on the if you stand on the side of a track or a park or whatever and you're kind of shouting come on push push let's go you've got more you kind of like well you're going to embed that kind of attitude that that is what is required from the session and sometimes that's handy so we've got to find other ways to frame our motivation as well so like as a coach that is a really that is quite a, obviously a common we use these words to kind of get people fired up as they run well but sometimes we need to be careful as well because sometimes we don't necessarily want them more fired up so like how do you kind of get somebody to feel positive about the session without hyping them up to the point that they end up running too hard. So loads of, loads of stuff that goes interest into it. So, um, uh, but I do think it's one of the very, one of the biggest areas uh, of, or one of the biggest issues in endurance sport, probably generally, but certainly running, which is a sport I know, this is one of the biggest areas. Most, I think Inga Britson said it recently in an interview, didn't he? Um, most runners run, run their workouts too hard. Um, and I think that's true across the board, almost no matter where you are in your development journey, but particularly more for experienced runners, I would say. Do you, yeah, I'd say. Do you think there are certain um, sessions that are particularly prone to being run too quickly? I'm thinking maybe the classic one being tempo running or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously there was, there were, there were certain sessions that the purpose of the session is to have you running controlled in a controlled way. Um, and so they're the ones where, the risk of running too hard kind of basically changes the nature of the session. Um, so when we talk about tempo running or threshold running or the kind of, you know, they are slightly different depending on, on how you think about your training um, or they may be slightly different, but let's just say moderately hard running somewhere between a sort of marathon intensity up to about a 10K intensity. So that zone, um, 
is uh, the whole sort of purpose of doing it is that you have a, a cap on your intensity and that we are we're trying to find a point of like you know almost um, steady s- s- steady state for want of a better word of of discomfort you know we're trying to find that kind of sweet spot we hold it so those are ones again that people push too hard because you know ah, you can you can run too hard in them right so if i for example if i say i want you to run at a pace you could hold for an hour in a race but i only want you to do it for 20 to 30 minutes worth of work well you can obviously run it too hard you've obviously got the capability of running it too hard like they they set up for running too hard because generally we don't need an enormous stimulus so we don't need to run an hour's worth of that work every time and so you just that just takes an awful lot of self-discipline or different ways to regulate your intensity in a session um so uh, you know if you're really into the sport you may well know that there's a lot written at the moment about how the sort of inga britons use um sort of lactate um uh devices to measure their intensity in the session um to be honest though you don't need a you don't need a a, a lactate pro they can be useful i've got one behind me uh, in a box down there that i use you know from time to time but you don't really need them in order to control an intensity in the session what you do need to do is be able to put your ego away and learn other ways to measure it whether it's pace or heart rate or just feel so they're they're definitely risky ones particularly where we start to break them up so if you kind of go like i went to run you know, three by 10 minutes or six by five minutes. So is it like, as soon as you start to break it up into intervals, the, the idea of doing that is not necessarily to see you running harder and being able to, it's more to just give you, just to make the session more measure, more kind of um, uh, manageable to make it, <clears throat> um, allow us to be able to progress that session over time um, to allow you to kind of almost like mentally reset as you go through the session and keep a bit of a lid on your intensity. Sometimes it's used to do the opposite. Well, I can push harder because I'm getting these kind of recovery intervals. So that's one bit. And then obviously anything where any out and out sort of interval based sessions, so like short repetitions. So put it put it like this. More often than not, in a group situation, if I ask if I ask athletes to go and run at five k pace or ten k pace, they will run quicker than that. Almost, almost always um and that is the nature of doing interval based training because you know when you run in a race you don't have the opportunity to stop and recover and so we're giving you that opportunity in a session but we're giving you the opportunity to do that in order to achieve a specific purpose whether that's to see you run a little bit faster than you did several weeks ago whether it's to um control that intensity drifting up for a session and so often we don't want you to run faster than the session has been set as coaches uh, but because you've got the recovery period it almost gives you the latitude to kind of go and do that so um, almost all sessions kind of at risk and of course just easy running of course of course like easy running and like I know that's not necessarily what you're, you're, you're talking about here because you're talking about workouts um, but you know, easy runs, long runs, you can smash those as well. Like you can, you can, you can almost end up with an entire training week where you kind of run hard almost every day in some shape or form. So your easy and steady runs become like tempo runs. Your tempo runs become like kind of pushing up towards kind of threshold runs. Your threshold runs become interval runs, and your interval runs become like smash fest. Like everything shifts upwards, which is then when over a period of time, your body will probably likely start to get a bit run down and we risk injury and other bits and pieces. So self-discipline and self-control is is an enormous skill in running, uh, but underrated, I think. 
Do you think you mentioned you mentioned ego? Um, and I feel that in the sort of the modern era of running, and we we talk about this a fair amount actually on here, so it probably sounds like a bit of a repeat. But we talk about the sort of the outside influences of people and and how they're running, and and from a coach's point of view, how do you get that? Do you get a sense with athletes? Because in I think for your average runner looking online and seeing what other people are doing and how they should be behaving or I don't know David Goggins and yeah. that sort of like mentality of stuff kind of creeps in and influence do you, do you have that with athletes do you sort of yeah feel definitely. like they need to pres- they need to present a, a sort of I'm the best and the pressure of social media and everything else yeah I have definitely seen that and it's often you know it's not it's very rarely out and out sort of um competitive what i've seen is personal i want to run quicker than them it's it's often the opposite of like you know this is it's it's, uh almost like a humble like humble brag sounds very kind of like a like really negative i don't really mean it that way but i think people do like to um people like to show off that's what a lot of social media is about um so some drilling going on in the background if you can hear that but yeah so there's there's you know social media is about self-promotion um obviously there's a large part of that in, in social media and i don't think it helps because ultimately you know it it's much more impressive to say you know i ran my you know three by ten minutes at um, I don't know, six minute miling than it is where, you know, 6.30 miling, which is where I should have been or whatever. Um, and, you know, you're going to get lots of clicks and likes and comments and all of that sort of stuff. But none of that stuff has any value if in two weeks time you're sort of injured or, you know, ultimately the session you've gained something different out of it to what you had intended. Uh, so I do think there's a pressure on athletes to feel like, and you, you see that a lot. It's the same with races where maybe things don't go to plan. I think there is an additional we live in a world where it is harder to self-reflect now. People feel like they need to find excuses for things. It happened for this reason and this reason. And I'm very often the reason why a race doesn't go to plan is similar to what we're talking about. They're not pacing it very well, you know. And so when we talk about smashing workouts, one of the other aspects that that can impact is, look, ultimately, if you can't contain yourself in a workout, how can you expect to contain yourself on race day? You know, there is a mental process, a psychological process of self-discipline and control. And so workout, well, uh, race day comes, race doesn't go to plan. And it's like it was shoes or it was too hot or it was, you know, something else other than the only one thing that people don't want to face is why well, I actually went off too hard. And I went off too hard because all of my workouts that I was running too hard told me I was capable of running this. Well, they didn't because you were running them too hard. So your 10K workout didn't tell you you were ready to run that for 10K. It told you you were ready for that for 5K. And the wheels came off that, you know, 5 or 6K into your 10K because you're running workouts too hard. So I think there's a lot that goes into it. And so the feed, if you really, and I sort of said, I don't think you should be using workouts to really be getting all of this, like this, this will tell me where I'm at in a race. But if you are going to use it for that, the very worst thing you can do is run your workouts too hard, right? Because then you'll probably run your race too hard because you're working off bad data, um, if that makes sense. So I think social media has an enormous part to play and the accessibility and visibility of training data and all of that. And then you have two choices. You either you either learn to not really worry what other people think, which is, I know, not easy, or you, you hide the stuff or you find a different way to measure it that isn't, isn't public. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. It has a big, a big impact. Do you have a preferred when you sit down with athletes? Do you do you go like 
in an ideal world, you won't be on this and you won't do this no, and you won't I, do this. No, I don't. I, I don't because I just, I'm always nervous about doing that because I think, like, ultimately, it's not for me to control what an athlete does and it shouldn't be for me to control what an athlete does. There's no magic to the training sessions that I set and any coach that is, like, hiding the workouts that they do or trying to keep stuff secretive, kind of, to me, that's missing the point of it because there's nothing that we are setting as coaches that are magical or anything different you know the, the the magic of coaching is just not making you know trying to make good decisions there's nothing magical about the workouts we do and so i'm always nervous about getting athletes to hide stuff because in also in part because particularly i i still like to think of myself as a young person but I, i'm not anymore so i'm in my 40s and i live in a different world to an athlete say in their 20s who have been surrounded like for me to tell them to shut down a bit of their life that is so they're so used to living so i'd say my job is to support them to understand the impact that may have on the decisions that they take if you know what i mean so rather than saying look i'm going to stop you from using it i don't want you to plug all your data through training peaks that's where it's, it's private or final surge whatever people use that's private then it's between me and you we can see it like i think there is it would be better to be able to work with an athlete and help them sign and go, look, if you want to share your training data, that's completely fine. But just be less learned to be comfortable with what that stuff means and what it's telling you and what it's telling other people. Um, but I can't say I, I can't say I'm particularly skilled at that because that probably is more of a psychologist job than mine, you know, but I, I'm never keen on telling people not to do stuff because. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. This is the Runner's World Podcast. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Can we make the case for the defense for the kind of the very hard workout stuff? It, just in the sense that running, one of the challenges have been the best version of yourself as a runner is probably being able to deal with a significant amount of discomfort so some familiarization with pain and with mental fortitude that probably you're going to get i think through hard running and workouts maybe you can get them through other races that's important and it's kind of part of the ingredients what makes up a good runner how do you how do you get there if you're not ever pushing that hard in training yeah i mean 
I think I do think that personally, I do think that's a legitimate point. And I think some of this goes down to training philosophy. There are definitely some some athletes and some coaches who are very um, who are primarily focused on the kind of uh, what we call like the metabolic aspect of their fitness. So like you, the, the kind of the fundamental physiology that will see you run faster. And if you're really focused on that stuff and you don't really believe that kind of psychology has a large role to play in performance, then maybe you don't need to do that. Or maybe you will feel you don't need to do it. I personally do think that psychology and a, and a sort of, we don't, it's a lot harder to measure. So we don't, it's, it's a difficult one to kind of measuring the ability to tolerate discomfort for longer periods or to ma- to regulate your perception of effort. Um, it is a it is a research a significantly researched area of science, but I do feel it has an impact on performance. The question is how often do you need to do that, and it's not every week. I mean, I would say in the training cycle, you know, maybe a couple of times in a training cycle up to a race. So like, let's say sort of 10 to 12 week period, might only have a couple of workouts where we are kind of going to try and explore that real, you know, uncomfortable dark zone where you, you will need to get to in a race at some point if you're going to set a PB. To me, I think that is valuable. And of course, I also think it's valuable that sometimes athletes can look back at their training and go, oh yeah, this workout tells me I'm ready. So I'm not saying none of that's important. What I'm saying is it, it, it needs to be uh, put in your training plan carefully and not every session. So yeah, occasional sessions, I think Steve Magnus calls them like sea god sessions, he'd call them very sort of American. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So you kind of, you know, you go and, and really explore that. But even then, there's ways to do it as a kind of a coach that you can, and we talked about this before, you can sometimes have sessions that are quite controlled and we just chuck something kind of really quite hard at the end that doesn't massively impact the training load of that session, but leaves an athlete with a feeling of, oh, God, I really pushed today. So like, you know, my, my uh, old coach, Nick, I remember a few times where we would do, we'd think, we'd have thought a session was finished and he'd go, right, I want you to go and do a flat out 400 now as fast as you can. Like, oh God, I want to do it. And you do it and you kind of, so there are ways you can trick your, your, yourself into kind of, thinking you've done a much harder training session than you really have so even then there are creative ways to do that but yes certainly maybe a couple of times in a training block can be a useful thing to do just as a a, a, you know an occasional benchmarking session can be a useful thing to do it's just how often you do them ultimately i guess it's and it ties in with with volume right because you say if like someone throws in a cheeky 400 and you're flat out like you can cope with a an occasional max effort like that but if you're doing 10ks of that sort of like extra extra stuff every single time it's that volume and intensity that are going to really creep up on you yeah so you're going to massively exactly so let's you know whatever like if you've done a you've done a moderately controlled sort of 80 to 90 percent type session and you check in one or two quick efforts at the end of it is a obviously a a lot less overall impact than doing a whole lot where you basically every rep you kind of you start every rep like it's the start of a race you know and you do you like i know it's i think you do see it a lot I see, oh, definitely, of, definitely, definitely in clubs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think it's hard on your own as well in training because you the risk of this is like you're chasing a pace in a training session. I know I am guilty of this, albeit I don't do many structured sessions anymore. Um, but when I do, I used to feel this pressure of, um, in order for me to get the benefit of this training session, I must see this these numbers at the end of it. And what ends up happening is you kind of go – less you end up really pushing probably a bit too hard in the first 30 to 60 seconds of each effort because you're trying to get yourself up to pace and really you've probably pushed yourself beyond the pace you need to be 
and then you're kind of clinging on for the rest of that effort. You get to recover and the whole thing happens. So the whole, you get this kind of these really, um, you get these kind of mountain peaks in, in each repetition where you kind of go up hard and then you're clinging on, you go up hard and you're clinging on. It's just not a great way to support your body to learn how to regulate intensity carefully, which is what you need in a race ultimately. You need to know where that kind of red line is that you can push to and sometimes push beyond, but for the most part sit just on or just underneath basically. And so it doesn't matter if you're ultimately it doesn't matter fitness wise if you're five to ten seconds a mile slower than you expected for the most part it probably won't make a massive difference in terms of the outcome of the session to your fitness um and so it's just getting comfortable with that and particularly now it's like hot weather well you are going to be slower probably unless you want to go in like oh i must go and hit this pace well you're going to be working harder than you should do so this stuff is like a routine part of learning how to run well because conditions change it's windy it's hot you're you're tired you're not quite feeling it you know you've got to learn to regulate this stuff otherwise what ends up happening is you end up binning off sessions and starting to lose the love for it because everything becomes too hard 100 percent. this morning i went and did a, a progression and my final final k progression was just because of bad route planning on my behalf was slightly uphill and into a headwind so i had to work as hard as i could to try and hit an arbitrary pace target in a condition that was just my own because of my own making and i sort of got to the end and went well that was much too hard i'm gonna probably now feel like i'll have some sore muscles and or not feel ready enough to do it again soon you know what i mean like, and I was yeah. just like well that's silly and look i mean if you can you can get away with it provided you're adaptable enough for your training man you kind of go look i probably did push too hard today so maybe i'm going to tweet one or two things over the coming days but again most of us don't it's going that we've got a training plan we're going to do what we're going to do and you just press on so it becomes this kind of cycle so we all do that from from time to time but i think it takes a lot of self-discipline so in that situation to kind of go no like my pace might even slow down because I'm going uphill and I'm into a headwind. So my pace might even slow down, but the intensity is what I'm looking for mm-hmm. here. That's it's really hard to do. We know <laughs> it's what we should do, but it's, yeah. how do you learn that um, and practice it? it? Takes a lot of of self control, I think. Yeah. How, how does this fit in, Tom, with um with like the like polarized training, sort of eighty twenty approach? The, the idea for anyone who's not familiar with that that eighty percent should be really easy and twenty percent should be pretty hard um but making that 20 percent not too hard i feel like that that could, those messages could be almost yeah. feel like they're kind of working against each other a little bit yeah the subtlety of sort of you know polarized training 80 20 to work can get lost because it can mm. become sort of oversimplified as being you do 80 percent of your time easy you do 20 percent of your time hard and it's it, there is a lot that 20 percent and you read this sort of research that sits behind it, all this sort of Stephen Siler stuff. There's a lot of range in what that 20% can look like, if you know okay, what I mean. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, really, even your kind of threshold work can fit the, the upper end of it anyway, can fit within that 20% if you, you kind of, um, if you if you read the research and you're kind of careful of what you do. So there's a big, even if you are following a polarized approach, doesn't mean you need to smash your workouts. It's more just how much running are you doing, or in this case, not doing in that kind of middle steady state area. So a lot of that governs like, are you doing big long tempo runs? Are you kind of pushing your your easy and steady runs kind of too hard and you're doing these kind of long draggy? And look, again, that's that's a different discussion about whether we feel that that is, you know, in a very individual thing about whether that is the right approach to take or not. But even if you are taking a an 80-20 approach, I still don't think it is a case of, well, you because you're doing only 20% of your work hard, you need to go and smash it because you, 
you probably don't. Because to be fair, a lot of the athletes, even the ones who would not say they're taking an 80-20 approach, are probably taking an 80, are roughly doing an 80% of the week easy, 20% like moderately hard. It's just what it looks like. So yeah, I think even with them, you still need to control because um, 20% of your week run hard. However, you kind of work out that 20%. Still, if you're doing it max effort, that's still too yeah. much. Okay. Yeah. Can, can I ask you, you've probably told me this before, but is the 80-20, is that, is that divided by mileage or is that divided by amount, like, is that like a number of sessions? Like, do you, do you know what I mean? So if you were doing like 40 miles a week, would that be whatever, like six miles or seven miles, whatever? Was it not done like that? Um, I think the way that most people do it is to view it as like 80% of training instances, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Okay, 20% yeah. of training instances. So, so let's say like over a, a you know, the course of 10 sessions, t- 10 runs, two of those are going to be runs where the focus of that run is something harder, like an interval session, threshold run or whatever. Um, I think there was, there is, you know, some debate when we sort of get into, um and and certainly for like people running big mileage um you know you get to the point where actually it would be far less than 20 percent of your mileage would be done intensity yeah right. i think for people running a bit less three four five times a week and we had this discussion before it gets much more nuanced and there are coaches that would say look ultimately you know if you're running that you are likely to be doing more than 20 percent of your week hard because because you just the volume of your running is is such that you're going to get quite a lot of you know comparatively the percentage you're doing um intensity wise needs to be higher to get fitness benefit so again that's a separate debate but i'd say for the most part uh, i work off like um training blocks as opposed to yes, overall mileage or time if that makes sense yeah 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 okay. i think we've covered most things ben what do you think i think that i have learnt that I really need to control how much effort I put into things. <laughs> <laughs> I look, I yeah. think it probably the, the only thing, the only other thing to say is sort of how do you go about doing it? And I think you have to just learn, you have to have available to you the right feedback that works for you. So if covering up the pace on your watch helps you do that, if training to heart rate helps do that, if you want to go and you know, learn how to use a lactate monitor and spend 200 quid plus all of the money on test strips to, to use one of those is the right way for you. If training with somebody that's maybe a little bit slower than you when you do your interval sessions, so it just there are loads of ways that you can almost structure out the desire to push too hard. Um, uh, one of the ways that we can do it with training sessions is change the session. So like, for example, if I've got an athlete that I know, if I set them a straight tempo run, like 20 minutes of tempo or five by five minutes of that kind of effort broken up, I know they'll run it too hard. I'll get them to do it as a progression run because, you know, okay, we've just had an example where you felt you pushed too hard as a progression run, but it does, it almost leans away from doing it because you build into the, you know, you build into your running a little bit, if you know what I mean. And you kind of, because it's straight through, it's not broken up. There's almost a bit of a natural limiter to it with interval sessions one of the ways we can do it is by cutting recoveries down because if i cut recoveries down you can't draw as much on those kind of anaerobic energy sources basically uh, which may or may not be appropriate depending on what you're training for but it's we've got these control mechanisms if you know what i mean the feedback you get how you structure your session who you train with um, and i think it's just thinking about are there changes you can make there which just make just help you along the way a little bit 
um, or, or not running in places where you like um, I will find and it just shows me maybe I do still have an ego um, with my running goodness knows why because there's not much to shout about <laughs> but if I run in places where there are lots of other runners when I'm doing my easy runs I will yeah, tend to yeah. run too quick because I'm I can't overtake this person. Just and I'd almost fall into it. I'm like, oh, I'll push past that person, overtake this person. Then if I run in places where I know there won't be anybody else, or if I listen to a, if I've got my headphones on, I listen to an audio book instead of music, I'll run a bit slower. Like there, there are ways you can play around with it. I suppose. To yeah, help yeah, you. yeah, that's good. That's I always good. say actually, off, uh, one thing I sort of jest about going off too hard and, and doing that, and I'm, I'm pretty, I've got a lot better as. Um, uh, a book by the Dutch runner Klaus Klaus Look, oh, yeah. the easy yeah. interval method, yeah. and that's that's actually I've been using that and and um, for a bit now, and that was a very uh, a very useful way of approaching training in a different way, which has structure around not running as hard as you think you should, and that's been really that's been really interesting in terms of just basically making the interval a less of a horrible pain fest. Than yeah, right. Kind of, yeah. The perception being, oh, it's intervals, I've got to do this. And in yeah. fact, there's a whole method of training where the interval isn't that hard. No, and I think the really, really good thing about um, Class's book is that you, an, an approach is, A, it's quite different to probably think that what most people do most of the time, like conventional training. But B, it, it puts a focus not only, like I said, on those kind of metabolic aspects of fitness, where your heart rate is and all of that sort of stuff. It also puts a big focus on mechanically what we're trying to do when we run. How do you get that feeling of kind of poppiness and zippiness when you run? So it's well worth it is well worth people looking at that because it does take some of the it changes our conception or might change your conception of what an interval session is about and what you're trying to get out of it. Um, he's also a very nice chap, which is also a good, good thing. Oh, that's good. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So no, no, no issue promoting his book at all. It's, it's a very good read actually. <laughs> yeah. Tom, thanks so much for your time no coming on the podcast talking about it. Always great to chat to you and uh, yeah, we appreciate you coming on. Lovely to speak to you guys and um, catch you very soon. So that brings us to the end of this week's Run As Well podcast. A huge thanks to our guest, Tom Craggs, and to you, of course, for listening. You can subscribe to three issues of Run As Well for just £5. Head to runaswell.com slash UK slash podcast offer to get that delicious invitation to read a magazine. And uh, thank you for listening. You'll hear from us again next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.